now tuned in to the tap in. Talking again, talking again. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. My talk a little shit, get a little brash. My drink a little bit, smoke a little bit. Vibe a little bit, laugh a little bit. Yeah. Host the buffalo down. Tell it like it is, only tell it rare. Live every Tuesday, you know the deal. Talking again, we talking again. Now tuned in to the tap in. Now tuned in to the tap in. Now tuned in to the tap in. We talking again, we talking again. Come on. What's up, everybody? This is Fidel Abdul We are here talking again, podcast once again, doing the video conferencing because, uh, hey, that's what we're doing now. It's in the pandemic season, right? It's funny that I've been calling this a season. It's not funny, but it is. It's weird that I've been, I've been calling pandemic season. Do you guys find that weird at all or no? I wish it was a season. <laughs> I, wish, yeah. I wish this was yeah, a freaking I, scary movie that never happened 2020. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so let me introduce you guys. Irma Garcia on, the, I guess, top right of me or whatever. Irma Garcia. Um, there she is. And down below we have here Lorraine Ocampo. Hello. Both uh, nurses, ICU nurses, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Okay. And and both of you have worked in the COVID-19 department area? Is that what you're calling it? Yeah, we call it the COVID ICU. Yeah, COVID we have. ICU. We have mm-hmm. So, so Lorraine now. has a little bit more experience in that unit because I actually um, moved out of that ICU. So I I was there at the very beginning of it, and then I left at the end of May. And that's where kind of it kind of took off. But Lorraine has been there pretty much since day one, and yeah. she's still there. Still there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Do they don't have you guys in shifts? Uh, or is it you just been in there since since day one, and you're not you haven't shifted out of there? Actually, the way it works is my hospital has four ICUs now. We have a yeah. um, without getting into too many details and having to explain it all, but there are uh, there's a MICU, which is a medical ICU, a surgical ICU, which is where me and Irma come from. Uh, a burn unit, which is an ICU. And then we just opened up a cardiovascular ICU unit. So um, the MICU, the medical ICU is the unit that has been designated the COVID unit. And so that's where we keep all of our COVID ICU patients. And so what we're doing so that those ICU nurses don't get burnt out um, is we're rotating the, the other ICU nurses through in shifts to kind of help ease the burden and like the emotional stress, the physical stress of having to deal with COVID every day. So it helps that we're all carrying the burden equally. When you say that that you guys are rotating uh, from ICU departments, um, that means you got people from surgical also working the co- the, the med, the med, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The medical ICU. Medical yes. ICU. Mick, Mick, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So Mick, yeah. Prior, prior to COVID and the pandemic, what was the what was MIC uh, for? Like, what was it designated for? So the MICU was uh, it's a medical ICU, so it's people who come in for medical emergencies. So like, they aren't controlling their blood sugar and they need to be on an insulin drip, or their blood pressures are really high and they can't be on the normal units, the normal floors for that. So they need to be on some sort of 
IV drip to control their blood pressure, or they have a stroke. Um, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, because it's actually a good thing, but for us, the ICUs are all kind of mixed and match. It's kind of like wherever there's a bed available is where that patient goes. So <laughs> we get everything. Like you'll have one neuro patient and you'll have one trauma patient. And, or you'll have one DKA, one medical ICU patient, and you'll have a trauma or a neuro. So we get at county, we get this experience that is so valuable because we see everything, we deal with everything. We're not just one specialty, we're everything. Yeah. So it's nice. Go ahead, Ramon. So, oh, I'll just say so, yeah. So, like, just because I work in the surgical ICU, that, that means that doesn't mean that I didn't get experience with any other ICUs. We saw everything. Same thing, rotation, you guys rotated out? No, we stay in our units, but the patients, if there's a room empty, that's where we we place you, in one of the the units that has an open bed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of this, but it looks like Irma has a propeller on her head. One of those propellers. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it is what it is. It is what it is. I just... I just thought I'd point that out that it wasn't a propeller hat. It was her fan, her ceiling fan. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, it's a, well, it's a, there's a reason why it's called intensive ICU. It's intensive care. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, be, before all this, you guys were seeing some crazy shit anyways, right? Surgical um, and, and not, maybe not so much. I mean, this would be a question for you guys. Which unit was the worst? Like as far as emergencies that you guys would see, would see most traffic. I wouldn't say any particular unit. I mean, we we saw everything mm-hmm. equally. Mm-hmm. I would say, okay. except for I mean, uh, now it's a little bit different. Well, th- so that's what I was uh, leading to. Was is it so during this whole pandemic? Has this is this the craziest that you've ever experienced, both of you? Yes and no. So we've always had very sick patients. We get them maybe one or two where they're very, very sick. And there's like regular ICU patients. And then there's like, on top of that, there's like those very critical, critical ICU patients. We would have maybe one, maybe two at a time. Now we have a unit full of how many, Lorraine? 16. 16. That critical, that I've never seen. We, Of course, we have, you know, every year we have the flu season. We have one or two that are very sick. But to have a whole entire unit dedicated just for critical COVID patients, never. Yeah. Have you, and so, is like, what we see in the media, uh, obviously, we're not, when I say we as in civilians that aren't working at hospitals, uh, yeah. We don't see what's going on in the hospitals. They actually don't want you to come in. A lot of us have to call in now and get our, you know, tell you remedy or not remedy symptoms over the phone and then, you know, give you a prescription. So we don't get to see what's going on in the hospitals. Is it what we see in the media 24 seven or, or is that just, it is hundred yeah. percent. That's it what is. we see. It's people in and out or in and out after two weeks or whatever, 14 days. Right. Is that what, These COVID patients are sticking around for a long time, right, Lorraine? Yeah. So um, in our ICU, 
I mean, in a perfect world, yes, they would get COVID and in 14 days they would be better, right? But that's not what we are experiencing in the hospital that I work at. A lot of these patients come in with comorbidities that they aren't even aware that they had. So they are usually um, obese or a little overweight and they have undiagnosed diabetes, hypertension that are um, taxing their body um, already just baseline. And then you throw on top of that a COVID infection and their bodies are now pushed past the point of reserve and they could land in the ICU and they're having to be put on these machines that give them a lot of oxygen, a lot of support. And the, the goal is to keep them off the ventilators. Um, we do everything possible to do that. Give them the treatments. Um, we support them with non-invasive airway management. And then as they get sicker, the last last thing we want is to intubate them. And then once they're intubated, it gets a little more complicated. Um, and it, it, taxing, these patients get really sick and they're on the life support machine. They're on multiple medications to keep them alive. Oftentimes um, they're requiring two nurses as opposed to one or um the normal one nurse to two patients. Now they're requiring either one-to-one nurse or two nurses. So they're getting beyond what we are used to seeing as far as like sickness level wise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where we're at. There's, I mean, we have patients that have been in the hospital for over a month now in the ICU because we can't wean them off of the high oxygen levels that they're on. Um, And it's sad because they're alone. They, um, they're not allowed to have their families there. Uh, oftentimes they can't even talk on the phone because they're so tired. They're in so much respiratory distress. They can't speak that speaking is wins them, you know? So it's sad. It's sad. They're in there for a long time. Are some of you having to not only care to them, um, physically, but now have to somehow emotionally care for them too, because of them not being so distant from their family and not being able to talk to them? Of course, that's that's nursing, though. Uh, it's not just you came in and you're sick and we're going to put a Band-Aid on your problem. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are the patient advocate. So whatever that patient needs, you're homeless and you need help finding somewhere to stay that night because you're getting discharged. Guess what we do? We consult, we consult the social worker and make sure you get taken care of. Like it's beyond just fixing them. You know, we're there for them. We hold their hand. We get them up and walk them to the bathroom. We feed them. We bathe them. Mm-hmm. It's more than just uh, taking care of them in the medical sense. It's, it's it's emotional and and all those things. Sometimes it's spiritual as well. If they want someone to just hold their hand while they pray. Yeah. You know, it's everything. Yeah. Is uh, Have you guys noticed, uh, obviously, it's a respiratory issue. Um, that's one of the main uh, factors here with uh, COVID, from what I understand. Um, is there anything preventative uh, for some pe- people like us that are now that don't have it? Um, what kind of things that we can do? Obviously, build up your immune system is one right, the, the key thing. Anything else? Like, is there certain foods I should be eating? Like, I've been eating garlic, uh, garlic cloves. I've been either chewing them or I throw them in my teas. Why? I don't know. I heard Joe Rogan do it, and I'm like, tastes like shit. <laughs> been doing that i haven't got sick but 
<laughs> I mean, is there anything like that? Is there a secret potion? I don't think there's any research out there. They're still trying to figure out why some people get so sick and other people have no symptoms. Yeah. You like, know, like asymptomatic people that aren't. Yeah. Uh, they, they test positive, yet they have no symptoms. Or there's these perfectly healthy 20, 30 year olds that are dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that is real. That's, we, I've seen it happen. Um, it's not being made up. There are very healthy young people. And we don't know why some people have the reaction that they do where they end up losing their lives. And some people just have no symptoms whatsoever. So it, it, and it, it's not due to them having like a previous um, uh, sickness or, uh, you know, Short of uh, heart problem or heart failures, anything prior to uh, contracting COVID? There's nothing, nothing to do with that. I think it. Um, well, if you already come down with with the COVID and you have these issues, then they can play a big factor in, um, you know, just maybe getting worse and sick. But uh, I mean, there's you, I've seen the news where you have these like ninety something year old people that survived COVID, you know, what is it about their bodies that they're able to fight it off and you have other people who, who aren't. Yeah. So just so not, not enough studies to kind of, yeah. you know, factor mm-hmm. in that, that reason. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the scary part for any of us. We don't know, you know, who is going to get, have these se- severe symptoms and who's not going to have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you guys know anyone personally that has has had the the disease? Uh, yeah, yeah, at work. Yeah, some other other nurses? healthcare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how have they dealt with it? Uh, was it easier for them being in the field to get treated or fight it faster? Um. I the the uh, the one particular uh, individual that I am familiar with. I mean, she was fortunate enough to just stay at home and not need medical attention. So, in that sense, I guess you know she was very lucky. Yeah. But you know, just from talking to her, she was telling me how it, it the just being sick it. Uh, she was describing how it felt like and it sounded miserable it didn't sound like anything you know just like your regular common flu or cold where you're like sick for a couple of days um just how they describe it it's you know she was weak in a lot of pain muscle pain um and just the list of all the symptoms i think she she had most of them yeah and so after testing positive what are what are some of the things that we should know to do? Um, you know, again, after testing positive, what are some of the things, some of the steps that we should take going forward after that? You know, uh, to for the safety of yourself and others around you. Self quarantine. Yes, it pretty much stay home and not be around any people. I mean, now nowadays we have the luxury of if you know you're sick. Yeah, I know we need to go get food. We can. You have people you can rely on to like bring you food. There's Instacart. There's like no reason why you should be out and about right. potentially spreading this to other people. 
And then number two would be, you know, contact the people that you were in recent, within the last week that you were in contact with and let them know, hey, uh, I tested positive and um, just to let them know. And that way they can be out on the lookout for any symptoms and possibly even get tested. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. I know you guys are way too young for this. I mean, I'm I'm probably too young for it. But uh, the AIDS, you know, when AIDS was around, when, when that happened, I think it was mid 80s. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was the uh, same thing. Like, you know, people, you know, contact everybody you've been in contact with, let them know, you know, yeah. that's some of the things that you should be doing, right? Yeah. Um, it it kind of reminds me of that, where it was new, everybody's afraid, it's, they're they're scared of it right now. Well, they're afraid because we don't know what this is, right? It's yeah. like all the other ones, because uh, so, this is a SARS thing. We had the SARS that I think was maybe 14 years ago, or was it less than that? That uh, had like some pandemic, a SARS pandemic. But same I thing. Don't know exactly, but yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, I'm not sure exactly the year, um, but yeah. Same thing. It's like, we don't really know what it is. Everybody's freaking out right now. Um, not to get too much into politics, but people are freaking out that, that uh, is this a conspiracy theory? Is this an agenda? I myself think um, politics, or just in general, people are opportunists, right? We t- we we yes. seek out situations and you know crises and see how we can benefit from it. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people right now, it seems like where I think you're either on this side, you're on that side. You believe it, you don't believe it, or you think it's just all made up, wearing a mask, trying to control us. How much does that play an issue into the spread of COVID? If any, I think pretty much what I'm all I'm going to say about that is it's just a mask. <laughs> it's, it's just a mask. Yeah. It's it's not that big of a deal. If it's something the way I see it, if something that small wearing a mask is going to let's say I'm 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 positive for coronavirus. Uh, hypothetical, I'm I'm not that I know of, but let's say I am. I put a mask on. I you know stop it from spreading. That's a good thing. I would feel like as a human being, as a nurse as well, I would feel horrible if I knew that I passed it on to somebody else and that ended up costing them their lives. Like that it's, it's just like being a human being. It's as simple as that. Just wear a mask. That's it. It's not that big of a deal. And um, that's pretty much it. Wearing a mask is not political. People are politi- making it political, but it's not. It's a it's a public health crisis. Uh, what's going on right now? And like you said, people are, you know, taking uh, making taking that opportunity to um, make it something else. And and that's the way I feel. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, Therene? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Irma one hundred percent. You know, there's been so much talk about it. Um, you know, people want to say it. Infringes, infringes on their like you know rights, rights yeah. ask to wear a mask um but it's it's more it's more than that it's caring about other people so you know it's a simple little mask it's not going to hurt you you can take it off right when you walk outside of the store or wherever you are and you're out in the open in, in fresh air but it's bigger than just i think people are just really selfish when they want to pull that card it's bigger than them and um, I, I really wish that I could invite them onto the COVID unit so they could see, you know, mm-hmm. what, what me and Irma deal with. Um, 
and then maybe they would care a little more, but people don't. And it's sad. It's heartbreaking, but it's just humanity, I guess. You know? Is that, is that, yeah, it is, but, and it's really sad, but would that be an unethical thing or maybe even against the law with like HIPAA rights and stuff to have oh, yeah. some kind of a webcam, right? So that's just, no, 100%. Can I not do that? It would, definitely. Like we would lose our jobs, yeah. but I meant like hypothetically. Right, right, right. You know, people don't believe it until it affects them directly. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I never want to say, man, I hope you and your family members get coronavirus. Cause that would be horrible. You never wish what I see at work on anyone ever. Um, but that's the only way that they're going to understand what we go through and what these families go through and what these patients go through and how they're dying alone in hospital beds. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. You know, and, and uh, like I was telling Irma, the reason why we're doing one the main reason why we're doing the zoom, you know, or doing the video conferencing and not here in my studio, my nice, wonderful studio here, is because for the stop of spreading it and then kind of a common sense thing. So it's very important, you know, and a lot of people don't think that they think that, oh, it's, you know, it's never going to hit me. And, but until it does, then it's like, oh, this shit is real serious, you know? Mm-hmm. So not to say that I never thought it was serious. I, I I would think that they're blowing it out of proportion, and I may still have a little bit of thought, but it's because I I, I look at YouTube, I watch YouTube way too much, and, I, and, and I, they're feeding me all this junk. So a lot of it makes sense, you know. But then at the same time, hey, I, I do have someone really close to me that tested positive, and I had to do my part, wear my mask. Um, I always wear my mask. I mean, for me, it's easy. That's another thing: gator sleeves, mask, N95. Does it matter what kind of mask I wear? The N95s I use, they're, they're usually for the healthcare workers. That's what uh, Lorraine would use in the ICU. Um, the N95s, you have to get, so for them to do their job, you have to get fitted. And so that's like, that's for healthcare workers pretty right. much. Yeah. Yeah. So for us uh, outside, we just, you can wear the simple mask that they uh, sell at Costco now. Right. Or um, I know they, they um, the news or not the news, but uh, there've been like videos of like the difference between all the different masks. So I know there's some that offer more protection than the other ones, but at the end of the day, if it blocks, you know, some of, of um, the particles mm-hmm. coming out, then it, it serves, you know, a purpose. At least How much better of a purpose than not being covered. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're coughing up a storm, stay home. You know, uh, to share a small experience that happened to me just like that today was we we're at a car dealership, and and that's where I work, right? Or different car dealerships. I walked into the car dealership. All of us are wearing our masks. This lady walks in, an employee there, sneezing four, five times, sneezing, sneezing, sneezing. Everybody stops in the showroom and just stares at the lady. So someone yelled, go home. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> Middle of the day, it's like, go fucking home, man. You should not have came to work if you're sick, yeah. you know? And I, I know it's hard for some people to stay to, to stay at home and they just want to fight it out. But I think the times of us trying to tough it out is just, and this goes for employers too, like, fuck, let those people go to stay home. You know what I mean? And I know it's yeah. like, so people take advantage of it and say, they'll call in and say they're they're sick, you know, just to get the day off, but. Yeah, it's uh it, it, these times are, are are scary. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. You guys know more than 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 us how scary these times are. So, uh-huh. um, 
uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on too was uh, the procedures that you guys go through in a day to day at the hospital. Have they changed um, since COVID, and and how much or how drastic have they changed since COVID, as far as just day day to day procedures? Yeah. So we're supposed to do like a a, a self screen before we arrive to work. Uh, we check our temperature and answer some questions like if we've experienced a new cough or had any of the symptoms or been diagnosed uh, before we get to work. Um, also, depending on where you work that day, if you're in COVID, you have to change into the hospital supplies OR scrubs or like an extra set of scrubs for you to wear. So, um, and then you wear like the booties to cover your shoes and you wear... Um, a lot of us purchase like scrub caps, so we put those on. Um, and then at the end of your shift, you go and you change into your regular scrubs, or some people just wear um, like workout clothes, and then you go home. Mm-hmm. So that's changed. Now, that's is there <laughs> is there a self screening that you do uh, on your way out, or does that matter at all? No, actually, there isn't. Okay, it's just when you get to work. Right, it's just a daily one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is that, uh, do you guys see that as, as like a, like a damper in your schedule where you, something extra that you have to do and, and, or is that just part of work that, Hey, you know, it is what it is and we're doing this for the safety of others. It's pretty much a new normal now. Yeah. <laughs> the new normal. Ah, oh, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that, but it's true. Right? The new normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you guys want to leave behind and let everybody know? Um, I know we kind of crossed on most of it, but anything that you guys personally want to leave behind a message out there, this is going to air in next week on Tuesday, but anything that you guys would like to say before I move on to the next topic? Uh, I would say take it serious. Mm-hmm. I, um, the media is not hyping it up. Um, it's, it, at least for San Bernardino County, it's, uh, I think we might've hit our peak. It seems like our cases in the hospital are starting to slowly out on the decline mm-hmm. slightly. Doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Doesn't mean that, you know, we can go back to normal, but, um, it's definitely out there. It's scary. Um, I, for myself personally, I, I'm extremely cautious because I know what I, I know what the other side looks like and it's scary. And, uh, I know I'm young, but nowadays it doesn't matter. How do I know that I'm, I'm, you know, if I were to catch it and I working where I work at, it just puts me at a higher risk. Um, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary, and I th- I wish people took it as seriously as as I do. I mean, even there's people in our family um, who don't take it seriously, and and you know what though? At the end of the day, like I tell Omar and I tell anybody, I just I do what's best for my family, and that's all I can do. That's I it. That I can't. Pull, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't fight with other people. If you want to believe whatever you want to believe, that's fine. Um, I'm glad that I have, uh, the experience that I have and, um, I, I use that experience to make decisions that are for best for my family and that's it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I would say the same, similar. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. <laughs> if you're around someone who's sick, don't be. Move. <laughs> um, and then check in with your loved ones on the phone, text message. Hey, are you guys okay? Do you need, especially the elderly, do you need me to pick up anything for you and drop it off on the at the front door? You know, just remember that we're all human, you know? Yeah. We definitely have to, I think, we don't have to love each other, but we definitely have to be a lot nicer to each other. Yeah, kindness <laughs> goes a long there's a lot, way. There's a lot of ugliness around right now, you know? Um, love is, is something that doesn't, that I don't throw around. But I'm definitely nice to everybody. Unless you give me an opportunity to be an asshole to you, I'll be an asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I think we're running close to that time where we're gonna have to uh, sign off. So oh. if if we could uh, thank you guys again for 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 doing this and helping me out with this and and kind of just spreading it out there and, and giving you guys this firsthand experience and opinions on COVID with your uh, with what you guys do. Um, but, uh, what I did want to make sure that we talked, we didn't really talk about, I wanted to get into, maybe we can do this on another episode. Um, uh, maybe in the studio, we'll see, but, uh, I wanted to get to talk to you guys about your schooling, you know, like getting to the, what made you guys want to join the nursing field. So all that good stuff, I wanted to touch on it, but since we don't have much time, maybe we can end with, uh, some advice to people that are thinking about joining the field but are maybe a little discouraged because of what's going on uh maybe if you guys can give us five minutes at least that's what uh, i just got a little pop-up with five minutes left but if you guys can give us maybe give us some advice or tips on what to do or you know what you guys what you guys did and maybe what you guys uh should work on or i don't know whatever i would say do it um, mm-hmm. by the time you get through your prerequisites and get accepted into a program and then get through the program, I'm sure research studies will be out about COVID and it's just kind of the way it is. You go through these pandemics, hopefully once a century, <laughs> um, but it's worth it. Irma? Just to make it, just to make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say if you're definitely, um, thinking of, going into the medical field, I think this is a a great uh, profession. Um, You don't have to do the ICU. Um, There's so many different options. And guess what? If you get bored of doing one thing, you can completely go in a different direction. And so I I can't think of any other field where you can um, go from one field to a completely different one. There's so many different things you can do with nursing. Um, example for me, I, I did 12 years in the ICU. Um, I left the ICU and so I'm doing something completely different now, but, uh, I know that if I, um, ever want to come back, I could do that. I can do something completely different, go back to school, be a teacher, uh, an instructor, uh, be a nurse practitioner. There's so many opportunities. And so it doesn't have to be that you're the nurse at the bedside. Um, if you want to become a nurse, there's so many different opportunities. So I'd say do it. I don't regret it one bit. It was hard, um, but it, it was worth it. It's just maybe a couple of years out of, you know, the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. 
What, so, uh, so then the transition to another department is not, it's pretty seamless. It's not as, I mean, maybe more, a little bit more schooling, but it's pretty, you know, pretty good to easy to move up or down. Uh, yeah, it really, uh, for my, for me, it just depends on what direction you want to go. Like if you want to, um, change departments, that's an easy fix. You just, uh, apply to that department and they'll just train you for a few months. And um, that's as easy as that part gets. But let's say you want to go into like management or um, like a nurse practitioner, then of course you have to get your bachelor's or your master's and go that route. But it really depends. There's so many different options. I mean, I can't even touch on all of them, um, but there's so many options you can, you can do. If you, if you want to just do desk job paperwork for the rest of your nursing career, that's out there. You can work for insurance companies or, you know, schools, uh, businesses, yeah. so many di- different yeah. things. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, well, hey, you guys, thanks again. Uh, I know we're going to get cut off right now pretty soon, so I just want to appreciate I appreciate what you guys do, and I want to thank you guys for coming on and uh, and keep doing your thing, man. And be safe out there, and, um, and that's it. Muchas thank gracias. you. So that's it. This is Fidel signing off here with Irma Garcia and Lorraine Ocampo. Now we're out. to the tap, babe. Hey, now to the <laughs> Now tuned in to the tap in. We talking again, we talking again. Come on. Run away. Run away.